the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We put looks and possessions over what is the spiritual condition of this person I'm about to go into a covenant relationship. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Not all of us are going to live to be old like Abraham. I think about what the Apostle Paul said at the end of his life. As you know, the Apostle Paul wrote half of the New Testament. That's, that's a lot. What did he write in the last book of those half that he wrote? What's the last book that he wrote? It was 2 Timothy. And what's the last chapter in 2 Timothy? It's only got four chapters in it. So in chapter 4. So this is the end of the end of what the Apostle Paul wrote. And he said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. So you're out there doing the work? You're looking for Jesus to come back? Guess what? There's rewards there. Yes, Paul said that he fought the good fight, that he finished the course, that he kept the faith. And because of that, he looked forward to a reward in heaven. I wonder what that day is going to look like for you and for me. It will either be the best day of our life or it will be the worst day of our life. That's why how we live for the Lord today, it absolutely matters. For that will determine our eternity one day. If we listen to his voice, if we choose to obey his word, if we allow God to have his perfect way in our lives, then imagine the joy when we look at Jesus eye to eye. But if we've lived our own Christian lives in secret, under the radar, where no one even knew we were believers, if we only gave to the Lord what was left over in our life, like, yeah, Lord, I don't need this here, I had the leftovers. If we never really stepped out of our comfort zones and we allowed those around us to simply perish because we were not willing to speak the words of truth and life to them, Then, when we step into eternity, that very well could be a day of total embarrassment for us. It could be a day of shame, a day when we say, I wish I would have done what God asked me to do. I wish I would have just did what he told me to do. 
See, the Bible talks about the judgment for believers. And he talks about this in 1 Corinthians 3. And when he talks about it, he says, everything that we've done in our life will be related to wood, hay, and stubble. And he says, and then the fire will come down and, and burn up either wood, hay, or stubble, or gold, silver, precious stone. So imagine every motive of everything. You open the door for someone. It's not the fact that you open the door. It's why you open the door for someone. Someone drops something in front of you. You bit down to pick it up and hand it back to them. Why did you bend down and pick it up and hand it back? Your wife asked you to take the trash out. Why did you take the trash out? You know, everything is the why. It's not just that you did, quote, a good deed. Why did you do the good deed? You were giving to help support the church. That's great. Why did you give to help support the church? Did you give out of your abundance or did you give out of generosity? See, everything will be judged. So it will be related to, again, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. Obviously, if it's the leftovers and you gave the minimum, that's all wood, hay, and stubble. So now the Bible says that fire will judge the motive of every man and woman's work. So if everything's burned up in your life, it says that you will be saved because we're saved how? By the grace of God, right? None of us earn that. Jesus saves us by his grace. So we will go to heaven, but he goes on to say, but you will suffer loss. How embarrassing to get into heaven and you suffer loss. Like everything's judged and it's all burned up. Like there is nothing left for your life. It's all been burned up. Now, I will say right here, I would rather suffer loss in heaven than go to hell in a handbasket, okay? So those people that suffer loss, they're going to be so glad that they're in heaven suffering loss. Now, what is suffering loss? Well, guess what? He doesn't tell us. We don't know. Maybe it's just a fact of all eternity. You sit there and you just think, I didn't do anything. I I did nothing. And all my family and everything, most of them are in hell because I never opened my mouth. You know, maybe you're mopping the floor. Maybe we know there's a marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, yes, we get to eat in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're the one serving the food. I don't know. Maybe you're cleaning toilets. Wait a second. Hopefully we don't have to go to the bathroom in heaven. Okay, just saying, you know. Anyway, all of these things we don't know. But one thing for sure, one thing for sure, it's like we should think about what we're doing. We should think and say, God, I just... I want to start doing what you asked me to do now so that it matters then. It's something to think about. Why is that? Because we can change for no matter who we have been up to this point, to this day right now, there's still time to become who God has called us to be from the foundation of the earth. Yes, today could start a whole new chapter in our lives for we can do all things through Christ, right? It's not because of us. It's just allowing him to work through us. Yes, when we decide to be who God has called us to be, it can simply change everything. No longer do we have to settle for a life of depressing inadequacy, but rather we can live a life of victory and triumph. We live in a health-conscious culture, obviously. We try to eat healthy, do we not? 
In fact, you know, I have cut down on my bacon consumption. I just want to say the last BLT my wife just made for me the other day. This was just last week. She made me a BLT. I only had nine slices of bacon on it instead of 12. Okay. Hey, don't judge me. Okay. I'm working on it. Okay. I'm cutting back. But uh, you get the point. You know, it's like uh, on a serious note, though, we all know. We should eat right. We all know that you can't live on jelly donuts alone. Plus, we must try to get enough sleep every night, which, again, I didn't get last night. Because if we only get three hours of sleep or four hours of sleep, how alert are we going to be at work the next day? So, I mean, the obvious point here is this. When we take care of ourselves physically, we feel much better, do we not? eat right, get a little bit of exercise, whatever. But the same goes for us spiritually. When we are reading our Bible, when we're going to church, even when it's illegal, okay? Uh, When we're going to church, when our prayer time is consistent, when we're hanging out with other people who are living for Christ instead of hanging out with people that don't know Christ, when we're staying away from those areas of sin that we used to live in, then that's when we're going to be a light and a voice to this dark world that we're living in. Amen? And that's when God can use us. That's when God uses us. It's simply what happens. That's who he uses. You wonder, well, God's never used me. Well, maybe there's a reason for that. You start being the person, the man or the woman that God wants to use, and guess what? He'll start using you. That's just the way it works. Know this. We, again, can do all things through Christ. It's not through our strength. It's through him. When we allow him to do all things in us. See, so we can do all things in Christ when we allow Christ to do all things in us. Does that make sense? We can do all things in Christ when we allow Christ to do all things in us. See, that's just the way it goes. And notice verse 11, God blessed Isaac. Now, that's the total opposite of what happened to Ishmael, his other son, through the maid. Remember the son of Abraham and Sarah's, uh, his wife's maid. Uh, What a contrast Ishmael was. He was a strikingly different character than that of his father, Abraham. Remember, Abraham died a satisfied life. Yet Ishmael went on to have 12 sons and he died somewhat of a loner living to the east of his family. The Bible said that he was a wild donkey of a man. We're told in Genesis 16, 12, that he was against everyone and everyone was against him. Wow. What does that tell you? I mean, he's against everyone. He had a, he had a bone to pick with everyone and everyone had a bone to pick with him. We're told in Genesis 25, 18 here in this chapter we're looking at today that he was in defiance of all of his relatives. So it wasn't just he had an issue with his neighbor, the guy down the street, the guy on the next farm over. Oh, he had an issue with all of his relatives. I mean, he was just a bone to pick with everybody. I wonder if that would describe anyone here today or you're watching online today. Are you a kind of a bitter person? You kind of got a bone to pick with everybody. Like, I live in a world of idiots. 
Everyone's an idiot but me, maybe. Do any of us live in that hostility, in that defiance of all of those that are around us? I wonder if you're carrying grudges and you don't forgive people. Remember what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. It says, the conclusion when all has been heard, like you can have everyone talking mumbo jumbo, blah, 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 blah. He says, when it's all over, you better fear God and keep his commandments. His commandments, because this applies to every person, every man, every woman, for God will bring every act to judgment, everything that is hidden, whether it's good or evil. So it's like, you know, you sit there, you got a bone to pick with everyone, all this, and everyone's an idiot and all this. It's like, guess what? You're going to stand before God. And everything you did, how you acted, how you reacted, how you didn't forgive, how you bore grudges, all of these things will all be thrown back right in your face on the day of judgment. Yes, Ishmael died. He was a spiritually bankrupt individual, and he left nothing behind, nor was he missed. Goodbye and good riddance and throw the dirt on his coffin. You know, how sad, how sad to die that way. And I've seen people die that way. I've been at the funeral. I've done funerals, but I've been at the deathbed where people have died and just there's nobody there and nobody cares because that's how that person lived their whole life. Remember, if we live right, then we'll die right. But on the other hand was Isaac, the promised son. He was a faithful man. He loved the Lord, and he loved his wife, Rebecca. Remember? He chose to love her. He didn't know her, and they got married. Like, you know, it's like a planned wedding, and, you know, they went to a far land, brought her back, and that's your wife. And it says he loved her. He chose to love that woman. He didn't know her, but he chose to love her. He chose to forgive her. He chose to come alongside her. He chose that, and therefore he did it. And that's what we have to do in a marriage. When we're in our marriage and all of a sudden the honeymoon's over and it's no more like strolling around the apartment a la Garden of Eden apartment and all that fun's over, then all of a sudden it's brass tacks living and all of a sudden you're like, who is this person? I don't even know who this person is. I married you? What was wrong with me? Was I drunk? I mean, it's like, you know, this is crazy. And it's like, but that's where you have to choose to love that person. You have to choose to forgive them. You have to choose to move on in those times that you don't want to move on. These are the choices that we have to make. And yes, God used Isaac because Isaac had a heart to move on. So Isaac now, though, in our text, has lost both of his parents, you know, and God now passes on his promises from Abraham to his son Isaac. So now we have it passing on to a new generation. Now we will see God move in Isaac's life. God provided him with a godly wife in Rebekah. The Bible told us that she was beautiful, that she was a virgin. But imagine how blessed Rebekah was. Again, this was a planned marriage. She didn't know who this guy was, but guess who she got married to? She got married to the man that God had preordained for her. She waited for the man that God had for her. Isaac was handsome. 
Hubba hubba. He was rich, which doesn't hurt. And most importantly, he had a solid relationship with the living God. That's worth waiting for, the solid relationship with the living God. The looks can be a little, eh. I mean, my wife married me for my money. I had a 1964 two-tone slime green van. And that's it. <laughs> I had one pair of shoes. I had one pair of jeans and a couple T-shirts. That's what I came in to the marriage with. My wife had much more than I did. She had her bedroom set. We had a, a Montgomery Wards, if you remember. That used to be like a Kmart back in the day, Montgomery Wards. And she had a Montgomery Wards stereo. And that's it. That's all we had. We ate on the floor on a cardboard box, and I hated it. When we bought our first used dining room for Micah table, I thought I was a rich man. I get to sit in a chair. It was used. We paid 65 bucks for it, and I loved that because I didn't have to sit on the floor anymore and eat. But it's like these are the things that we look to so many times. We put looks and we put possessions over what is the spiritual condition of this person I'm about to go into a covenant relationship with. We should be looking at that over everything. Isaac had all of these things, but the main thing was he had a solid relationship with God. And right when you think everything's perfect in paradise with Rebecca, the beautiful woman, the virgin, and the good-looking stud muffin Isaac, everything's great. They got money. They got wealth. They got all these things. Not so good because Rebecca realizes after Two decades of marriage, almost 20 years, she is just like Isaac's mother, Sarah. She's not able to have children. And after 20 years of marriage, she's still barren inside. Which brings up our second point, struggling within. Let's read Genesis 25, 21. It says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him. And Rebecca, his wife, conceived. But the children, uh, not one, but there's two of them in there. The children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first one came forth red all over like a hairy garment. Okay. And they named him Esau. Verse 26, afterwards, his brother came forth and his hand holding on to Esau's heel. So they named and called him Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. And when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in the tents. Now, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game. But Rebekah... She loved Jacob. Wow. Yes, I'm sure Rebecca was grieving in her heart. I'm sure that she shed many tears over the fact that she couldn't have children. I mean, come on, there's like 19 plus years 
You're not getting pregnant. We're doing all the things. We're doing the tango, but it's not working here. And no children. And that's when Isaac, knowing the promises of God, he told my dad, Abraham, that his descendants would outnumber the sand of the sea. So, okay. All right. So Isaac, being a man of faith like his father, he stepped in and he prays for his wife. And after being barren again for almost 20 years, suddenly, bing, walla, bang, Rebecca becomes pregnant. Yet, even for this new mother, she knew something is wrong here. Yeah, she felt like there was a UFC cage fight going on in her womb. I mean, I mean, like, okay, like she's never had a baby before. She doesn't know what it's like. But all of a sudden, it's like, I mean, they're like, I mean, it's like, who knows what's going on? I can see other women coming in. Well, the baby's just moving. I can see her pulling up her thing. Does this look normal? You know, who knows what was going on? So even this new mommy, she said, hey, something is rotten in Denmark here. And as a Scott Godly woman, she knew exactly where to go for answers. As verse 22 says, she inquired of the Lord. She prayed, oh God, what is going on in here? Something is just crazy here. I wonder where you turned when something crazy is happening in your life. Like, what do you do? Like, obviously, she's never had kids before, but like, this is not normal, okay? Well, what do you do when this is not normal in your life? What do you do when this crazy thing or that crazy thing or the health department comes by and says, you guys got to shut down, okay? And they give you a former thing and they just gave us a citation and all of this. And, you know, what are you going to do? We got to pray. We have to pray. We have to go to the Lord, like, Lord, what's the direction that you want us to take in this? But just like your life, no matter what happens, like, what are you going to do? We have to pray about it. I love what Psalm 61 says. He says, hear my cry, O God. Give heed to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you. You know, because you know, where my heart is faint now, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Notice how the psalmist says, Hear me, Lord. Give heed to me. I need you right now. I don't know what to do. I need you to lead me. I need you to put me on some kind of solid footing so I know where to go next in this. Is that what you do? Because that's what we are called to do. Rebecca prayed and God answered her. For God knows everything. He's outside of time. Did you know that? We're told in Ecclesiastes 3.15, it says, that which has been already and that which will be has already been. For God seeks that which has passed by. See, me and you are regimented by time. God is outside of time. So God is like right here looking down at us right here, right now. But he already jumped over here and he looked down over here five years from now. He's already looked down 10 years from now. He knows exactly when Jesus Christ is coming back. He knows exactly the end time scenario. He knows exactly what has to happen for the Antichrist to come in and take over the world. The United States has to dissolve. He's got to come in on the white horse. He's got to pull the whole world together because the Bible says there will be one world government, world 
governing empire in the end. There hasn't been one since Rome. And so we've gone a couple thousand years and there's been all these separate nations, but there's going to be one world governing empire and Satan is going to be the Antichrist. He is going to rule it. How can God predict with exacting detail all of these things? Because he's outside of time. He's already seen it play out. So he comes back and he writes it all and it's all perfect because he's already seen it. How does that work? I don't know. I'm not God, but he is. And he's already seen it all. It's already happened. Yes, God has seen it all before it happens. Our lives have been a divine pour out from him. That's why I said in Psalm 139, he says, I know all of your days before you had not one of them. So before we even came out of the womb, he says, I knew all of your days. Yes, God has a divine plan, just like he had a divine plan for Jacob and Esau in Rebekah's womb. So God tells us before, he's like, look, I already know everything that's going to happen, but I need you to play this out, and I want you to make the right choices in the meantime. So again, we have the choice to make good choices or bad choices. Choices that are based on God's will established in his word, not on our emotions or our feelings. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 